the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. I'm Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. I am joined by my co-host, Don Dix, the chapter leader of Act for America in Corona. And we got so much in the news to talk about the Supreme Court nomination and uh, government spying. But we have on the line with us a very special guest, Niger Innes, who is the new head of the Congress of Racial Equality. And uh, he, this past uh, Thursday, he spoke to the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. It was a great presentation. And we're pleased to have him on the line this afternoon uh, with us. Welcome to the show. Uh, may I call you Niger? Uh, yes, you can. Niger, great, great per- to be on with you guys. Thank you very much. Great privilege to have you. And our condolences uh, upon the passing of your father, um, who started this organization, I understand, in 1942. Yes? No, actually, that's not 100% accurate. You okay. Know, though, but, but, but it is an urban uh, myth that has stuck because uh, when he became chairman in 1968, um, it, you know, CORE had already been established uh, since 1942, so when he became chairman in 1968 and moved the organization in a much more conservative direction, um, a lot of people say that he uh, started a new Congress of Racial Equality, if you will. But um, that is indeed uh, the, the, the actual fact. Um, he he uh, moved the organization and he helped evolve the organization with the times and the new challenges uh, confronting uh, the American community generally and the black community in particular. But no, he didn't start. He, he was too young uh, to start in 1942. I think he would have been about eight years old. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, pre- pre- pretty good <laughs> if he had uh, done that. How is the focus of the Congress of Racial Equality different than perhaps the more better known National Association for the Advancement of Color People, NAACP? Well, you know, first of all, let me just say that I uh, am a, a big fan historically of the NAACP uh, in reference to what they've done uh, in terms of court battles that uh, they pioneered and that uh, they led uh, the Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, uh, that whole effort would not have been as successful as it ended up being, which, of course, changed our country for the better, uh, had it not been for the sacrifices and the efforts and the resources uh, made by the NAACP. Unfortunately, and and by the way, let me just say for the record that I happen to be, and I make a distinction between local chapters of the NAACP and the national office of the NAACP. Mm. Uh, Local chapters tend to be a lot uh, different, a lot more responsive to the communities that they serve than, unfortunately, um, our our friends in the national office. Our friends in the national office have tragically, I think, become a wholly owned uh, subsidiary uh, of the uh, most extreme left-wing elements of the Democrat Party. Uh, And in so doing, they have lost touch uh, with the community that they're supposed to serve. That's number one. Number two, 
Um, you, you just had uh, their uh, current leader, a gentleman named Cornell, uh, say that he wants to meet with Donald Trump. So what does he do? He calls Donald Trump a racist. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, so, you know, and, and, and it's part of the style and a modus operandi that, um, shall we say, I call it the Sharptonization of American politics. Wow. I'm referencing Al Sharpton. Of course. You know, that, uh, you know, the NAACP and, and far too many, not just black leaders, but uh, so-called ethnic rights leaders are promoting, which is that, you know, they are used to the pattern of, you know, be it corporate America or white politicians, you call them racist, you bring out the race, the racist club, and they tend to be responsive as if they are Pavlov's dog uh, responding to the dinner bell. Um, and, and, and that is a game that the Congress of Racial Equality is not playing, it has not played, uh, and will continue to confront. We feel that there are far too many very serious, serious issues confronting uh, the African-American community, be it crime, uh, lack of, um, of economic opportunity in terms of small business and entrepreneurial development because of too many taxes and too many regulations um, that stifle uh, those that would have a great idea and would want to uh, examine it. Uh, the issue of school choice is a very real issue. We do know that uh, access to education and educational choice is the civil rights uh, of our era. Uh, and those that have the opportunity to get an education, those that have an opportunity uh, to get information, uh, those are going to be the individuals, regardless of race, creed, or color, that are going to succeed in our society. We're talking, we're talking to Niger Ennis, who is the current leader of an organization called the Congress of Racial Equality. You can learn more about their organization at the Congress of Racial Equality spelled out dot org. He is the son of the former leader of the organization, Roy Ennis, who unfortunately left us earlier uh, this year. Um, Niger, you mentioned a, a, a number of different issues there. What is the key focus of your organization? What is it that you guys are uh, trying to accomplish? Yeah, more than anything, I mean, right now um, we are in a, a huge uh, chapter development drive. Uh, we believe that the American people are in an extraordinary place right now. We believe, you know, something that my my great father always said is that, you know, um, he saw the the arc of America and the change of America in terms of race relations from 1968 uh, to to you know just uh, earlier this year. And he always recognized uh, and said quite boldly and openly that America has gone through the greatest social, relatively peaceful social revolution uh, in the history of the world, and that being the great civil rights revolution. And in recognizing that, he recognized that the, you know, the way that uh, you know, the, the challenges that confronted the black community, you know, back in 1975 or 1968, or for that matter, 1981, uh, are, are quite different uh, today because of the new opportunities that are available to generations, to younger generations of African Americans and minorities uh, that were not available to others. And, and, and unfortunately, he was one of the few voices uh, that communicated that message. Uh, and, 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 and so what we see as a, as a high priority is to uh, liberate the African-American community, not from 
the racism uh, and the old perceived racism of the past, but liberate us from the mentality of victimization that would uh, that uh, far too many of our leaders promote within our communities, where we can't even get out of our own way and maximize the new opportunities that are available to this generation that were not available to our grandparents and great grandparents. If you listen to the uh, Black Lives Matter, the left, uh, the Democrat Party, is America is, is just this seething cauldron of racism that wants to hold black people down. And that's the, and, and that's the major problem that African Americans face today. And we need, we need their political and their power as the government to try to lift that yoke of this uh, racial oppressive system on African Americans. Um, I infer that you don't necessarily buy into that. I think it's bunk. I think it's nonsense. I think it is massive misdeception mm. uh, done on black people and on the American people at large. I mean, if that thesis is correct, then you would think that a big city like Chicago, which has a tremendous amount of, of liberal Democrat control, uh, that blacks would be doing swimmingly, uh, brilliantly well there, and they are not. Um, you would think that that, that big, uh, you know, no offense to uh, you good folk, my neighbors next door in California, but you would think that, uh, uh, that, that you know, the big government state that is California uh, would have uh, blacks in a position that they are doing extremely well and extraordinarily well, and that is just not the case. You know, when you have more freedom, when you have the ability to uh, choose the kind of school that your kids will go to and get the kind of education that they deserve, uh, when you are uh, an entrepreneur and you have an idea that you want to explore or small business that, that, that you want to uh, promote, uh, when you have more freedom, you have more opportunity. And what the civil rights movement has done in crushing segregation and ending that evil system of legal segregation of separate and unequal is what they did is, is what that civil rights revolution did. It did not make everybody equal, but what it did provide is equal opportunity to succeed or for, or to fail in the country that is the single greatest country in the history of the Amen. world. Did Donald Trump had a had, had had his own unique way of reaching out to the black community. He said, hey, what have you got to lose by voting for me? Did Donald Trump's overall message offer something for the black community in the United States? And did they hear it? I think uh, a lot of folks certainly heard it. I think, you know, when you consider that uh, the uh, black male vote went uh, over 14 percent, I think as, as high as 15 percent. Uh, for Donald Trump nationwide, I think it was even a little higher in the battleground states, um, uh, then obviously some people were listening because, again, it wasn't just a question of Donald Trump and what he was saying. It's when you consider that uh, the uh, Democrats on the other side went to the lowest common denominator of race, of pure, unadulterated racial demagoguery, uh, that it was pretty amazing uh, that, that Trump uh, uh, did as well as he, as he did. And I would hope that uh, his policies uh, and his support of uh, school choice, his support of small business uh, development, his support of uh, doing something about crime in the inner city, and his focus, I mean, he had a particular consistent 
focus throughout his campaign and even after he was elected. His first speech as uh, president-elect in his inaugural speech, he has consistently over and over and over again said that the inner cities are a high priority for him. Doing something about our inner cities is a high priority for him. And he said that message when he was in Detroit. And he said that message when he was in a predominantly white audience in Mississippi. And I think at some point that is going to start to, uh, to resonate with the African-American community. You know, I have so many questions here that we can continue this discussion. I know you are short on time today, so I don't want, we don't want to indulge your, your time any more than, uh, than, you're, able, than you're able to give us. Um, if, if you have time for one more question, and this would be related to what you just said, is given the poor quality of schools, given what's happened, the lack of economic opportunity, you look at the conditions of African Americans in the cities controlled by the Democrats. Why? Ha- I mean, 15% now, that's better than any Republican president has done in a long time, Canada has done. Why the continuing loyalty of so many African Americans to the Democrat Party that doesn't seem to care very much about them in between elections? Well, you know, I I think there is a sociological phenomenon that exists with ethnicities within the country. Um, You know, uh, African Americans are not the only group that uh, gives uh, essential blind loyalty uh, to the Democrat Party. Uh, Jewish Americans uh, also give uh, a, a sizable percentage mm. of their vote uh, to the Democrat Party. And I and and you know, look, if we went, you know, 50 years ago, I think you could look at Catholic Americans. You could look at you know, within the subset of Catholic Americans, you could look at Italian Americans and Irish Americans, and they were disproportionately Democrat. I think that as ethnic groups become more and more integrated, and as as their leaders start to promote the idea that they are indeed more and more integrated, the more they will be open to uh, being a two-party people and a two-party nation. I think as long as leaders and and, and particular groups see themselves as victims or potential victims, they're more inclined to be swayed by the the racial or ethnic um, or or, or gender uh, demagoguery of uh, leaders of the Democrat Party. Boy, that would be great from your lips to their ears. Niger Ennison, thank you so much for Ennison. Niger Ennis, thank you so much That's for okay. joining my, us. My mother's maiden name is yeah. Denison, so you kind of... Oh, wow, it. look at that. Ennison. Yeah. <laughs> With the Congress of Racial Equality, you can get more information about the organization at Congress for uh, of racialequality.org and come back and update us with your impression of how things are going with uh, Donald Trump's agenda for the uh, African-American community. We'd love to have you back. Will do, and and CORE is going to be opening up, just one last point, CORE is going to be opening up several chapters throughout California. We see California uh, as uh, a good old uh, American pioneer saw it as a final frontier. Yep. Uh, We see it as a final frontier of freedom. Uh, So uh, you'll be seeing us very soon in your own backyard. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us and for all of your important work, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Time for word from our sponsor, Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, residential and commercial. More on the news of the week after this message. Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now, and from what Ed tells me, there are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call 
at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know Ed, he's a good guy, he'll talk to you like a friend, and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now is the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855-640-2020. AM 590, the answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program. What a great segment with Niger Innes. We definitely have to have him back because Absolutely. he's got way more to talk about than we were able to fill uh, than we had time for with him. And we want to learn more about his views on school choice, what they're doing in that matter, what they're doing in uh, to advance folks in the inner cities, uh, in some of these, uh, you know, challenged urban areas. So, yeah, you know, to the Democrat Party, Black Lives Matter only when they serve the interests right. of the Democrat Party. Yes. Well, Speaking of the interests of the Democratic Party, one of the things that they're very interested in doing is taxing us more, Greg. Yeah, and you and you were an intrepid reporter this this past week, getting out there and you you well, they kept the public out of the uh, Jerry Brown press press conference in in Riverside. You managed to get in. I did, and you know, I guess uh, being on a talk show and being associated with a media organization has its advantages at times because I was definitely able to get into the media area. Uh, Jerry Brown came to Riverside with his entourage, with hu- literally what looked like a hundred. Uh, folks from the construction industry and from unions in order to pitch SB1 to Riverside. And one of the couple of reasons why he came, number one, Riverside County, San Bernardino County, uh, are still bedroom communities for folks that work, you know, in places west of here. So a lot of people spend a lot of time on the freeways. They're the ones that are going to end up shouldering the burden of SB1. So he came out to try and convince people to support it. Senator Roth, a very influential senator here in the Riverside area, is as of, you know, the time that we're recording this show. On Thursday morning. Yes, which is before the vote is supposed to take place on Thursday afternoon, has been undecided about it. And we rallied a phone calling campaign to his office Thursday morning to encourage a no vote because he's in a vulnerable position, both because he's in Riverside County, because so many of his constituents are going to end up shouldering what I would consider to be an unfair burden, uh, percentage of the burden for this uh, gas tax. Um, That's one of the reasons why Jerry Brown decided to go right to the middle of his district and build political pressure for you know, Senator Roth to vote for this. Right. We should understand that California counting the cap and trade already has the highest gas tax in exactly. the country. And they're going to add another 12 cents per gallon 
increase your vehicle registration fees of up to $175 a year, 20 cents a gallon more for diesel fuel, where diesel, of course, trucks carry, uh, right. uh, carry, the, carry our goods, plus increasing the excise tax on diesel fuel, and another $100 if you have an electric vehicle. Which all translates, mostly in the diesel area, that translates directly into increased costs for consumers because everything that we have in on a store shelf comes to us at some point in time via transportation that requires diesel fuel. Right. And uh, Senator Morlock, who, uh, who is, he does a great deal of – he was a CPA before he got into government. And uh, he points out that California only spends 20% of transportation taxes and fees on the roads that they waste a half a billion dollars in Caltrans on extra unneeded staffing. Yet, for all these taxes, California is about 47th worst roads in the country. And this is staggering. In California, it costs 4.7 times as much per mile than the national average to build a mile of road. Wow. Just think about that. And and yet, the, the answer is always extract more money from the taxpayers. That's the Democrats' constant answer and so far it looks like our republicans are holding firm in sacramento they are in fact um mark steinorth or an assemblyman introduced an assembly bill to directly address road repair uh infrastructure repair and the democrats in charge of the committee shot it down and said uh, we'd rather tax you know, to, in order to get the money. And my point, I was fortunate. I was the second person to ask a question of Governor Brown. Felt like uh, it was a was was very interesting being in the middle of the press corps. And I asked him that very thing. I said, we're, we're paying the highest gas taxes in the country. What do you say to Californians that are shouldering that burden but not getting the results from it? And he went on a, a – I mean, there's a reason why Jerry Brown is the governor because he knows how to deflect – change the framework of a question and he just went on to say you know if we don't do this now in another five years it's going to cost more the roads are bad now we've got to address it now 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 it's a crisis now we got to fix it now 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 tax 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 now 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 yep Time for a word from our sponsor at Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation the place to go for your real estate lending needs back after this Hi this is Ed Hoffman President Wholesale Capital Corporation your local direct mortgage lender We've been serving our community with personalized homeownership solutions for over 26 years with offices in Reno Valley, Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina to service all of Southern California and Arizona. Today, we are experiencing excellent conditions in real estate and real estate financing. Interest rates are as low as they've ever been in our history, and real estate prices have come way up from the lows of 2010. If you've purchased a house in the last several years, there's a great chance that today your equity position is much better and available interest rates are much lower. Two factors that spell opportunity for you. If you want to find out what this means to you and you want to talk to a lender who will give you straightforward, honest direction towards an option that's best for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday, 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. And again, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Right here on AM590, The Answer. Licensed by California DRE. Broker license number 01147747. And California Financers Lenders license number 603K610. Licensed by the California Department of Business Oversight number 603K610. NMLS 9873. AM590. The answer. 
Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. And we have a conference coming up there where people can learn how to fulfill the obligations of that office. Big, big event. In fact, one of the biggest events of its kind in Southern California. And we are over a third now subscribed to the event. And this has a very real chance of selling out. So the appeal to you, if you if you at this point have uh, said to yourself, I'm going to go, you got to go to the am590.info website and get your tickets. Or you can go to the uniteie.com website, click on the banner there for the event. It'll take you right to the Eventbrite page to get your tickets. $30 for general seating, 95 if you want to go to the VIP lunch. And this is going to be a huge opportunity. Or get your friends or your group members together and you can get a table for only $80, about $81 a ticket. Yeah. If you want to get a table of folks together, we have a way for you to do that. Uh, you need to, uh, it's a separate form, but we can get that to you. Uh, if you just send an email to radio at There's also a link now on the AM590 website for that. That's right. So you're going to hear from some of the most, uh, you know, influential minds in the media industry. Uh, Hugh Hewitt, uh, who is on from now, unfortunately, because he moved back east. He's drive time back east, six to nine, which means he's now on the radio three to six. Of course, you can't hear the last half last hour because the Jen and Don show comes on at five. But from three to five, if you're up. Go for it. Uh, we're going to have Dennis Prager, whom you hear from 8 o'clock until 10 o'clock uh, on this very radio station. And a very interesting uh, other speaker, Larry Elder, who's on yeah. who's on 3 to 6 here on, on this station. And Joe Pollack of Breitbart News right. wrote the book How Trump Won. We have a California panel with Mike Morrell, state senator, Steve Frank, guru on California politics, and Senator Jeff Stone. Uh, so it's just going to be a great and informative event. Plus, the United IE groups are going to be there so you can connect with them and learn how you can be more effective in your role as a citizen through those groups. That's right. And Unite IE, the groups associated with Unite IE, we scored a victory this week for the Inland Empire, the groups that are a part of it. We'll tell you all about that when we return after this break. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program, the program, as we like to say, for the most important political office, that of private citizen. And, you know, we've been through a lot over the last three or four years, Greg, in learning just how the political process works. And it's interesting, back in 09 and 010, uh, or 2010, I don't know, do you say 010, 09, 010, 010. 011? <laughs> 2010. Yeah, back in 2010, 2009, when, it, when, when sort of that Tea Party element in our political uh, landscape got activated largely because of the policies of the Obama administration and the forthcoming uh, the, and the the intention of Barack Obama's agenda to take over the health system of America. And of course, you know, you had things like TARP, you had the uh, amazing stimulus package that turns out wasn't so shovel ready. All of these things just really cause a lot of people in America to stand up and go, what in the world is happening? And they did it on street corners and in parks and at rallies, holding up signs, uh, listening to 
patriotic music, uh, yelling and screaming. I remember the day that they took the vote for Obamacare. You had uh, a group of uh, Democrats that crossed the street. That was that infamous. Uh, remember, it was kill the bill, kill the bill, kill the bill. Uh-huh. And then somebody said, uh, you know, that they were that were Tea Party was yelling racial slurs at the uh, Congressional Black Caucus as they crossed the street. And Andrew Breitbart famously offered the challenge. If anybody can get any of that, prove it happened on video, I'll give you $100,000. And nobody, what's interesting about that urban legend, they talk about fake news today. That urban legend has never been proven. Right. And, and, and too bad no one has a, carries with them any a device that could uh, record or take video of uh, of something like that. There were dozens of videos, none of which corroborated the congressional black office's story about the racial epithets that were hurled at them. But at any rate, that's where it all started. And then today, we are learning more about the political process and how to... Uh, you know, insert ourselves into it and to actually uh, become a part of it. If right. You will. And it's not just voting. No, it is not. Yeah. So we actually had some success. And you were there at a, at a, at a regional government meeting, it used to be called Sandbag. They didn't like that name. So they probably spent millions of dollars on marketing to come up with a new name, whatever it is. But I still call them Sandbag. And, and they had, a, they had a, a, an electricity scheme. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, it's called the com- – uh, what, what is it called? The Community Aggregation. Something to do right. with – it's CCA. So it's being done in smaller communities all across the state. This would have been the largest community that this proposal had been offered up to. And essentially what it does is it takes – it creates a joint power authority for the purchase for the purpose of purchasing and dis- and and selling electricity into the households of the Inland Empire. So Southern California Edison would no longer be the electrical provider. They would simply maintain the lines and be the conduit for the electricity. This new joint powers authority would be the organization that would buy sell the electricity. And it was being done ostensibly to force, uh, create a market and force the distribution of green energy, of which it would have been approximately 40 to 50 percent of the power that would have been purchased uh, by, you know, every household in the Inland Empire. Creating a government bureaucracy to buy and sell our electricity. What could possibly go wrong? Right. So this was a proposal that was brought up before this group called Sandbag, and they have changed their names, as you mentioned. I'll dig it out of the uh, Internet here in a second to tell you it, because they somehow they the name Sandbag just really, I think, just pulled negatively. <laughs> Can't imagine why. Um, but this organization was originally set up as a transportation Organization. It was to represent local municipalities, cities, and the county when it came to dealing with major in- transportation infrastructure projects. And I guess on the surface of it, um, it seems like a good idea because obviously, you know, if you're a city and you want to make sure that your city gets an off-ramp in a particular area, that you have a voice in the way that these transportation projects are uh, created, developed, and so forth. I, I can see somewhat of the logic in that, but it's become so much more than that. No, and then this is an important part of, of so-called sustainability is the creation of these regional government authorities that do not have to answer to the people at the ballot box. 
If you don't like your city council, you, at least in theory, can vote them out of office. If you don't like your state legislature, you can, you can vote your state legislator out of office and so on. But these regional government agencies are not accountable to the people. And, and we have Sandbag, and there's an equivalent in Riverside County. Then there's this big, huge one called SCAG. They probably want to change their name at some point as well. Yeah, I would think. It's called Southern California Area Area Governments, and it literally is an umbrella organization over all of these other quasi-government organizations called like WR Cog, Sandbag, that sort of thing. The plan is to spend $500 billion in the next 25 years or so to try to remake Southern California into high-density housing and forcing people out of the cars and into less efficient public transportation. Right. Which applies back, of course, we were talking about the gas tax increase is even if that passes, 30% of it's going off into parks and regional planning and bike paths and so on. And then of the rest, only 5% can go into new any, any new road construction to alleviate construction. And then more of it's going to go into uh, public transportation, which is like the train they're going to build in Redlands. They're going to run 58 trains a day through Redlands that few people are going to ride. Uh, and despite spending billions of dollars in Los Angeles, $9 billion, their ridership and their market share of public transportation is declining. So, and, and this is happening all across the country other than in certain old legacy cities right. where it may make some sense. So what essentially was being proposed to this group, this organization, Sandbag, who again has changed their name to a name we can't identify yet. Um, I, I like Sandbag. I like Sandbag too. So they were considered, they were, a proposal was brought to them and they put it on the agenda to consider whether or not they would expand their role and okay this idea, this notion of getting into the electricity business, the power business. And so uh, a number of individuals here throughout the Inland Empire who are already very versed in the green agenda, the effort to use this notion of man-caused climate change in order to to create a lever to institute socialism and Marxism is really what is behind this, um, got wind of this and sort of reverse engineered what was about to happen and said, this is not good for, because as Reagan famously said, his, his quote, uh, you know, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that scary words. Most of the, yeah, the scariest words in the English language. Um, essentially was going to create a market, force a market in higher cost, uh, what you might call sustainable energy, which is generated by windmills and solar farms, which isn't so sustainable, it turns out, because it costs more to create it. If it didn't, if it weren't for government subsidies, which are going to disappear one day, it would be way more expensive than fossil fuels. So in order to force and create a market, this essential, this proposal was created for the Inland Empire and it was resoundingly defeated. And that's good. And it shows the value of showing up. If there, ha- if, if no one has shown up, this, this may, this may have just gone through. May have. We and, don't know, but, uh, and we want to thank uh, Dan Titus, who really led on, led on this and got the information out and motivated and rallied the people to get down there and to, to speak against this. And fortunately, at least some of the people there on on the sandbag board uh, decided that uh, that you know that they 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 weren't going to jump into the electricity business. It was even worse than that because they called for a vote. They got one person to uh, a 
you know, make the motion. This is all done according to Robert's rules. It's a very orderly way of conducting a meeting. So they called for a vote to approve the next step. Someone uh, made the motion. They asked for a second. And out of, I don't know, whatever, there's like 20 members of this. They could not get one person to offer up a second. That's that's almost a unanimous decision to not move forward with this proposal. And that is a, it. yes, I mean, there were people already on the board that were not predisposed to go with this. We, we won't know ultimately what the influence was, but I can for sure say that the people that got educated about this, that went and spoke up about this, that gave not just uh, flame-throwing sort of rhetoric at the board, but got up and delivered cogent, meaningful researched uh, responses to this proposal, uh, no doubt were influential in swaying this vote to defeat it. Yeah, already in California because of these renewable energy mandates. Uh, For residential, our electricity costs are 42% higher than the national average. For commercial, it's 51%. And for industrial, you think you might want factory jobs, it it is 93.6% higher in California right. than the national average. And, and just one more reason to, I mean, for people, for business not to locate in California. It's a big reason. And and in in their proposal, they were essentially saying that ratepayers who would automatically be placed into this and then they would have to physically opt out, ratepayers stood to save as much as 8%. Wow, we're going to we're going to give the government the opportunity to take over the electrical business in the Inland Empire for a possible savings of 8% and that's just to begin with and there are underlying risks that could drive it up from there. So right. it just wasn't yeah, I mean worth so, it. I mean some cities have really crashed and burned financially. Yep. Trying trying to get into the electric power business. So, so anyways, good work to all of our IE activists who showed up including yourself, Don. I did. And uh Chalk one in the wind column for the people. <laughs> All right. Oh, you, you don't want to see what Dom was just doing. <laughs> uh, time for a word from our sponsor, All Star Collision. We need to take a break, literally. All Star Collision, the place to go when you have, a, have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All Star Collision. 951 279 9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio. I just, there's some news that's breaking this morning that the Democrat Party has changed its, uh, in light of the revelations this week, has changed its motto to, we hear you. <laughs> We're reading your conversations. <laughs> we hear you. <laughs> that's very good. In light, especially in light of the fact of the revelations this past week, um, obviously news broke uh, the before we did our last show. Uh, Adam Housley broke the news, essentially, that yes, indeed, there was unmasking that occurred. 
over the weekend then, we began to hear rumblings that it was the... High-level person. A high-level person. And then by Monday, the cat was out of the bag. We knew that it was Susan Rice of the uh, Obama administration, the National Security Advisor for the Obama administration. That's the sort of the chief cook and bottle washer of the national intelligence you know, sort of right. apparatus within the administration. Sure. The, the NSA, which is our electronic surveillance organization, intelligence gathering, monitors all these electronic communications all over the world. And foreigners, I mean, that's what we do. We have agencies that spy on foreigners together, foreign intelligence. But because they, to protect the privacy of Americans, they are supposed to minimize, if they, if they get a conversation between a foreigner and an American, is the, the, the transcript is supposed to read, Foreigner, whatever his name, whatever his or her name is, and U.S. person one, U.S. person two, U.S. person three, and unless there's a really good reason, that's how it's supposed to be to protect the privacy of American citizens. Right, and this could be a conversation between, let's just say, the use their terms, the Russian ambassador that's based in Washington D.C. and his counterpart back in Russia. He's reporting in, if you will, and he says, "I had lunch this week with Michael Flynn, and Michael Flynn told me A, B, C." Now, in that kind of a conversation, Michael Flynn's name is supposed to be masked. It's not supposed to be revealed because it's an American citizen, and it's not related to an investigation. It's it's incidental, is what they basically uh, say. Now, in in the course of the um, campaign we are now we have now learned that this monitoring of conversations involving uh trump campaign officials started as early as july it was not related to any specific campaign uh investigation by the fbi and that in point of fact the obama administration which it's this is important the, the administration is not an investigatory body. They have no, uh, if you will, uh, right. And I'm just going to put it that way. They have no right to unmask, request the unmasking of this stuff. This is supposed to be done at the intelligence community level by the FBI, the CIA, or the NSA, if if, if it's an approved FISA um, you know, wiretap, if you will. Exactly. So what was going on is political intelligence and political spying on the opposition. Absolutely. And just, I mean, you just imagine if this had been reversed, is if the Bush administration had been doing this to candidate Obama, uh, president-elect Obama, I mean, they would have gone totally insane, beyond, quantum levels beyond where they are right now, and, and, and somewhat justifiably so. You have these very powerful intelligence agencies that are supposed to be nonpartisan and there to protect the country, not to spy on Americans and gather intelligence for political purposes. I want to ask, I wonder, and really no one's been asking this question, did they just did the Obama administration just start its political espionage on Americans in the last year with the President Trump's campaign? I would say I would say probably not because the the remember Barack Obama is a community organizer and so the idea of getting intelligence and knowing what your political opponent is doing and what they're thinking is central to that process. We saw them weaponize the IRS. We saw them lie up and essentially 
uh, minimize the impact during an election year of the Benghazi attack because what was ha- what that Benghazi attack showed would have revealed if we had been able to get to the bottom of it before the election, it would have revealed that the Obama administration was involved in arms running from Libya into this into Syria, arming the rebels so that they could have uh, munitions in order to push fight. Bashar al-Assad. Right, they, they, they helped the they helped the jihadis right. take uh, over, overthrow Gaddafi. He was no, wasn't a good guy, but he was kind of on our side. And now you look at the more and more he was on our side. He had right. he had disavowed his pursuit of nuclear weapons. He had disavowed uh, the pursuit of having chemical weapons. He had disavowed his involvement, any involvement in any of that stuff, and was more and more becoming aligned with and had acknowledged his role in the Lockerbie bombing. Absolutely. And they replaced him with jihadist chaos. You look at the total mess there. I mean, Benghazi, it, it, it hurt Americans, but there's, there is not an organized government there. And uh, ISIS operates at will. Another jihadist group operate at will. The, our, Qaddafi's arms supplies has fueled the jihad all across, all across northern Africa. Yep. And as we saw in 13 hours, what those guys were involved in was buying back arms from those local militias, those jihadist militias, right? So and then, and then they were involved. The, the the higher echelons of the intelligence agencies, the political appointees, came up with the lie that it was this, it was this uh, video. It was video, even though Hillary Clinton had in con- telephone conversations that night and the following day acknowledged it was a terrorist attack. She sent an email to her daughter that night. I mean, it, it, right. I mean maybe you should give a little more attention to the events at hand rather than emailing your daughter. Acknowledging it was a terrorist attack. And then the community organizer-in-chief sends none other than Susan Rice right. out on four or five different talk shows on Sunday to say to lie. it was a video. To lie. To lie, essentially. So this lady basically uh, has outed herself as a liar. In fact, if you want to know whether or not Susan Rice is lying, just monitor the movement of her lips. If her lips are moving, it's probably a lie. Right. She and then just two weeks ago. Right. And just two weeks ago, she was on being interviewed about this. And I have no idea, I have no idea what Chairman Nunez is talking about when he talks about unmasking. Right. And, and then... Two, two weeks, weeks later, later, she's in an interview. I did, I did it, but, I, but there was nothing wrong about it. Right. So the notion that now Chairman Nunez has had to step aside because of political pressure, uh, ethics violations, essentially, is rich. Yes. You know, it's it's rich in light of the fact of who the Obama administration is. It's rich in light of the fact that much of the Obama administration is still embedded inside our government. And it's rich in terms of the mainstream media, all of whom, I mean, you can't name a personality from uh, from George Stephanopoulos to Chuck Todd to, I mean, name a name. At some point in time, they have actually had a job inside the Democratic Party. And now they're working, now they're working outside the Democrat Party in the, in the, in the, in the same cause. So all of these people have said, nothing to see here. No, Don't worry about Susan Rice. You know, just move along. Whereas Fox and many and, and others of the conservative media are saying, no, she needs to be prosecuted. And yet, what does Devin Nunez do? He steps aside on the Russian uh, investigation. This is appalling to me that he has stepped aside. I, I you know. 
big mistake. And that, that, that kind of good faith is, well, is, is, will be treated as weakness. It was just a couple of leftist groups filed bogus ethics charges against him with the House, House Ethics Committee. And he should have said it's bogus and kept on with his, uh, with, 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 his, with his investigation. He's one of the few guys willing to stand up and tell the truth in this. And he's going to have a big target on his back in 2018 because he, because he interrupted their narrative against Donald Trump. And I just, you know, we have to think that uh, Donald, we have to thank Nunez for we'll have that courage. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more of the United Inland Empire radio program after this message. From All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to the United Inland Empire radio program. You know, one of the most important reasons that I voted for Donald Trump, Greg, was to have him block, essentially, what would have been a radical left-wing Supreme Court justice nomination by Hillary Clinton. And that was the reason I went into the voting booth and pulled the trigger. I know many people feel like I do, and a lot of people out there were staunch uh, Trump supporters. Um, but for me, the main reason was, you know, do a roadblock of Hillary Clinton. And the payoff came this week. That certainly ranks that very high up there because our Constitution and liberties uh, hung in the balance there. But as of Thursday, the Senate has voted to change the, the filibuster rule uh, to so it doesn't apply to Supreme Court nominees, same way the Democrats did to other nominees in, back in 2013. So it would appear that uh, they're going to vote to confirm him on, on Friday and he'll be on the Supreme Court. And uh, that is a welcome development. I mean, the, the Democrats are resisting, and the media, and even Republicans, Donald Trump at every turn, but we have accomplished this. And you know more about this result. than I, but the big deal about this is that the, that the Supreme Court is about ready to do their calendar, right? Yes, they'll they'll be deciding what cases they're going to hear for next year. Plus, there's still cases that are being heard for this term. And once he's on, at least the ones that are going to be argued prospectively is that he can participate in those as well. All right. And if you're listening to the Unite IE radio program, your assignment, if you haven't done it already, if you haven't gotten your tickets to the Unite IE Conservative Conference on April 30th, is to go do that now. AM590.info. AM590.info. Get your tickets. It's going to be the most important conservative gathering in Southern California. Have a great weekend. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.